What would your life look and feel like in three months if you focused your time and energy on doing the things that brought you the most joy? What could you accomplish if you had an expert mentor and a rock-solid community of people who believed in you and your dreams, even on the days when you don't? What if you could wake up each day seeing and feeling real progress in your life, rather than staying stuck in the cycle of indecision and inaction? Your dreams don't have to wait until next month, next year, when the kids are out of the house, or when you retire. I have a brand new coaching program right now to give you daily mentorship, a structure, and an implementation system to accelerate your results. Get all the info on my new Life Amplified three-month group coaching program by going to my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. Space is limited and I'm accepting applications right now. Once again, go to creativesoulcoaching.net. And now, episode 11, how to master your money mindset. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. Hello and welcome back everybody to Life Amplified. It is always my greatest honor and privilege to serve you. I know that there are a billion podcasts out there on the market, but the fact you're spending a few minutes today with me means the world and I promise I'm going to deliver you all the value I can because today we're going to discuss a very triggering topic and I think it's an important topic. Because I hear about this all the time. In fact, I wanted to share a message with you that I got in our private Facebook group for the Life Amplified podcast listeners. Which, by the way, if you would love to join our community, you can do that. Facebook.com slash groups slash Life Amplified. We got a couple hundred people in there from all over the world. Just positive, inspiring people, lifting each other up, supporting each other toward their goals. But Misty wrote in and she says, Dan, I broke away from my soul sucking job five years ago and started my own embroidery shop with a business partner. We've succeeded in many ways, including making a profit, but I've had to work a second engineering job to do it. I want to get our business to support both our families, but our finances are in shambles and it's hard to tell exactly where we are at any given time. Any recommendations on where to start? I might add that financial work terrifies me. I push through it, but even paying bills will make me physically nauseous. Do you see the conflict there in this message? Misty's a woman who wants to earn more of an income. She wants to attract more money in her life, but there's a subconscious belief that has her terrified about money. And we've talked about this in past podcasts. You can go back and listen to the episode we did on abundance and prosperity with Chris Lee, but it is very hard for you to attract abundance from a mindset of scarcity. And I see this story come up all the time when I talk to people all over the globe. Typically, I offer my 30-minute complimentary discovery call where clients and I will talk about their goals, what's keeping them from closing the gap between where they are and where they want to be, and how I can help them break through. And for so many people, we get to the end of the call, they're like, oh my God, Dan, yes, I need a mentor, and I think you're the guy that could help me. And then the next thing out of their mouth is, oh, but I can't afford it. I cannot spend the money on coaching. And it's that scarcity mindset 
that keeps people stuck. We are so resistant when it comes to the idea of money because we think that there's not enough. We're scared to death to invest in ourselves. And it's crazy because we spend money on all sorts of other worthless crap when you get right down to it. I love the quote from Dave Ramsey who says, We spend money we don't have on things we don't need to impress people that we don't even like. The first time I heard that quote, that stung me a little bit because I was that guy. I mean, I think of all the money I wasted over the course of my lifetime on things that I thought would give me value, that would give me that outward projection of what I wanted my life to look like, yet it always left me feeling empty in the end. I mean, stupid stuff. You know, I used to do that a lot back in the days when I was online dating a lot. You know, when I lived in Boston, I was probably going on like two online dates a week for a period of time, and I was never content just to go out and have a drink or meet somebody for coffee. I always felt like I needed to impress my date, so I'd have to book reservations at some really pricey restaurant, but if you're throwing down like 150 bucks as a guy on online date dinners twice a week, that starts to add up over time, especially when you're sitting across the table from somebody that you have nothing in common with and you know within 15 minutes (laughs) that you're not interested in a return engagement. We waste all this money on things that feel good in the short term, but don't increase the quality of our life long term. You know, I talk to clients all the time who just live for the next vacation. They're planning that week-long expensive cruise or the trip to Aruba or the Bahamas and boy, they think that that's going to be it. That's going to refresh them and then they're going to be excited to go back to work at their soul-sucking corporate job and then of course it never happens. You spend all the money on the vacation, you're back at work for three hours and you're like, oh god, when can I plan the next vacation? And that doesn't even cover all the things we spend money on that depreciate the minute that we buy them. You know, you think about that. The minute you drive a brand new car off the lot at the dealership, it's already lost a third of its value. If you've ever gone out and bought jewelry, the value falls in half the minute you put a ring on your finger. But we'll spend money on that all day long. We just are skeptical about investing in the things that actually appreciate over time that increase our knowledge, our skills, give us better coping strategies to deal with the challenges that we face. So that's why I'm always amused when people tell me they can't afford coaching because we can always find money for everything else in the world that never brings lasting happiness. So that is my intention for this episode today. We're gonna talk about mastering your money mindset. We're gonna discuss what is money. I wanna give you maybe a little different spiritual perspective that you haven't heard before on the topic. We also wanna talk about what is your money Story. What are the pre-programmed beliefs you have growing up about money and its availability to you in your lifetime? Also, we're going to talk about putting you in a structure and system that allows you to earn an unlimited income, which will also get into a conversation of how much value are you adding to the world? So this is going to be a great conversation. It could be a triggering conversation for you, depending on the beliefs that you're bringing to the table today. But track with me. Keep an open mind. I'm going to give you everything I have here in the next 30 minutes. I want to start today by talking about what money really is. And I'm just going to be blunt and use some direct language with you. Can I do that? We're friends now, right? We, we can drop a swear word every now and then. Money at the end of the day is just some shit human beings made up. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. It's not a natural resource. It's not oxygen. It's not 
air. It's not trees. It's not something that could be in limited supply one day that we could run out of. Money is a thing that we invented. At the end of the day, it's just energy. It's an energetic currency that is used to trade things of value. And somewhere along the way, we got tired of bartering chickens and goats to get the things that we wanted in life. So we just came up with this new currency. It has no inherent value other than what we assign to it. And boy, you're kind of seeing this unfold right now in the news in the age of cryptocurrency. And we've seen this over the past week where the value of Bitcoin has fallen in half arbitrarily for no good reason, just because somebody decided it has less value now. You know, there's no inherent value to money other than what we assign to it. And I know that seems like an abstract concept, but there's something very freeing when you understand it. The truth is in life, we make transactions. We trade money when we exchange things of value. For instance, I pay my producer Matt every month to edit this podcast and take all my Unabomber-style ramblings and edit them down into something cohesive that you can enjoy on the way to work. That has value to me. It saves me, you know, three hours of work every week. So Matt has placed value on what his time is worth. In exchange, I make sure that he gets paid. Now, when Matt gets that money, he's going to go take that money and invest it in something that has value for him. Knowing Matt, it's probably going to be a plane ticket overseas to go to Europe. So he'll give the airline money because they're providing something of value to him. They're going to fly him across the Atlantic Ocean. The airline in turn is going to disperse that money to its employees because they're giving their time and energy. The pilot, the people in the baggage claim, they're all going to get paid. And then from there, they'll go out and buy groceries or pay bills. So it's really just an energetic exchange for things of value. That's all. So why do we complicate it? Why do we treat it like it's a unicorn or Bigfoot or some mythical creature that would be nice to see one day, but we don't believe it really exists for us? Well, that gets us into the real crux of this episode today, because we've got to get clear on what our money story is. And All of us listening, including me, including you, we've all got some screwed up stories around the idea of money. We have ideas about what it means to have money. We have ideas about what it means if you don't have enough money. And if you're a person listening today that has serious financial fears or you are always afraid that there's not going to be enough, that somehow you're going to go broke, I would offer up to you today for clarity. Answer this question for me. What is your first memory around the idea of money. What's the first thing that you remember about money in your household? Did you grow up in a home where you were told money doesn't grow on trees? Did you grow up in a home where your parents struggled week to week? I know I was talking to my friend Brittany recently. She shared with me that she grew up in a home where it was always feast or famine. There would be an abundance of money that would come in, and then it was almost like the family was having a race to see how quickly they could get to famine. They would almost push the money away and overspend and go right back to a place of scarcity. But depending on the home you grew up in, it informs a lot about what your beliefs will be as an adult. And I'll tell you my personal story that comes up for me around money. One of the 
earliest times as a child where I can remember even money being discussed or money being a thing was on my mom's side of the family. You see, when my mom and dad got married, they didn't have anything. They literally lived off Campbell's soup and Kool-Aid because that's all that they could afford. Now, my dad was this self-made guy who quickly climbed the corporate ranks and built a very successful career as a CEO. And the further he climbed up the ladder and the more money became abundant for us as a family, it caused a lot of resentment with my mom and her family because she came from poverty. And she had a lot of siblings who were still in poverty. So I always remember there being a conflict in the money whenever we'd go visit my mom's side of the family where people would say things like, oh, well, Pat thinks she's better than everybody because she married rich. You know, it wasn't the case my mom married rich. She just married a guy who was really motivated, who, you know, created a fortune in his life. But there was always that conflict. I remember one of my aunts always screaming this phrase, the power of the money, and it was always a negative connotation. And I remember at six years old, going with my mom to go visit my grandmother and the rest of her family in Chicago. And my grandmother took me to a Walgreens, or it was just like a local drugstore. And you know how in those pharmacy sort of stores, there's a toy aisle with like the cheap plastic toys, with the handcuffs and the cops and robbers set with the police badge? My grandmother offered to buy me that handcuff and police badge set. And I remember looking at the price tag. I think it was something like $3.99. And I was always aware that my parents had more money than they did, and I didn't want to put anybody out and ask them to spend. So at six years old, I told my grandmother, oh no, grandma, that costs too many dollars. You can't buy that for me. And what was interesting is I was rewarded in praise for that. My grandmother almost got emotional and teared up. She thought it was the sweetest thing in the world. She took me back to the rest of the family and was bragging about how considerate and thoughtful I was. And somehow in that instance, I made a decision about what money means, which for me, as I grew up as an adult, was something that I should almost be ashamed of for having or something that would cause me to be judged or have conflict if I had too much. And you can imagine how much worry this caused me as a young adult because I was making six figures for the first time, I think by 23, 24 years old in my old corporate career. And I made that level of income pretty consistently for a decade and a half after that. But I was always hyper aware that I was doing better financially than other friends my age, than the people that I went to college with. So I became the guy who whenever everybody would go out for drinks at the bar, I would pay for everybody's tab. I was the guy even out with friends who would always want to pick up the tab for dinner. And not always just at Subway when we're eating six-inch subs. I mean, sometimes this would be at like four or five-star restaurants. What was interesting was is for all the money I made in my career, and I did very well, and I did save to an extent, but I also spent a lot of money and pushed it away just out of that fear of being judged or people thinking that I I was better than them. So when I look back on all that money I made, you know, six-figure salaries for 15 years, I should have had more money in the bank. But I always wanted to make sure that everybody else was taken care of. That was a message that was very embedded in me by my family at an early age. And I think a lot of times our money perceptions can get tied up in your religious upbringing. 
depending on what you were taught growing up. I remember my mom, even as we lived in a beautiful home and did very well, always complaining about money. And she would use that Bible quote uh, that says, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. She would use that all the time. I almost feel like some of the Bible verses, like God needs a new PR agent or a new publicist, because some of those Bible verses get really misconstrued. You know, I don't believe in a higher power that wants people to struggle or to be in poverty in order to get into heaven, if that's what you believe. But I do believe what that Bible verse is saying is that you shouldn't value money above your purpose. And this is what so many of us do, right? We stay in these jobs where we just cash the checks. We keep going through the motions every day because we value the money over what we really know we're here to give in our lifetime. So we never really bring our purpose to life. This money discussion and the idea of what your story is about money is so paramount. And the best way to get clear on that, I would suggest this as a journal prompt, or what are your first memories around money? Because I do think it informs a lot of your experience experience and your relationship with money as an adult. And the goal here today from a coaching perspective on this podcast is for you to create an empowered relationship with money. You know, money is not evil. And we have these stories where we talk about the greedy corporate fat cats, and that happens a lot here in the United States. I don't know what that's like for our international listeners, but not every corporate fat cat is greedy. People like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Mark Zuckerberg that are investing an inordinate amount of their fortune into good causes in the world. So money is a neutral thing. It's neither good nor bad. You know, it's the same as if I told you that There was a mechanism in your life that supports terrorism and child trafficking. Would you support that? And of course you'd tell me, oh God, no, Dan, I would never support, you know, terrorism and child trafficking. Well, your cell phone. You know, the internet and your cell phone could be vehicles for that, but your cell phone is not inherently bad. It's all about what you do with it. And that's the same idea as we think about money moving forward. People who have it are not inherently bad people. Money just makes you more of who you are. doesn't really change your life at all. And this is why when you look at a lot of the statistics, by the way, you know, we all want to play the Powerball. We all want to win the big fortune. When you look at the statistics, 70% of lottery winners end up either broke or dead within seven years. Because if you're a person who suffers from addiction and you win Powerball, now you got a hundred million more reasons to enhance your addiction. If you're a person who believes in bringing your purpose to life and helping your community, you'll have a hundred million reasons to do that as well. So money, again, a neutral thing, it's all about what you do with it that matters. The next point that I want to talk about here is if you're a person who feels like you're not really earning up to your potential or your capability, we got to look at how you can put yourself in a structure or system that allows you to earn to the level that you want. You know, I remember going through a contract negotiation one time in my corporate career and, you know, they were offering me the standard 3% cost of living increase. And I believe given my performance, I was worth more than that. And I expressed that to my boss. And this was early on in my managerial career. And my boss looked at me just sort of indignantly and he goes, well, nobody gets paid what they're really worth. And to some extent in corporate America, that's true. You know, I did an exercise recently with one of my clients 
who has been working in corporate for many years, but now she wants to take her expertise and her talents to go into business for herself and help new entrepreneurs and nonprofits market themselves better to help them make a bigger impact in the world. And we were talking about her financial goals for what she wanted to earn in her own business. And what was interesting for her, it was just to make the same dollar amount that she was making at her current corporate job, which was a comfortable six-figure salary. But this might be an interesting thing for you. Get clear for a second on what is the number that you would like to earn in your job. You know, let's say it was $130,000. I want you to take that money in your calculator and divide that by 50 weeks. Assuming you get two weeks vacation a year, divide that number by 50 weeks. What I have here is that it is actually $2,600 per week that you're looking to earn. Now, divide that number by 40 hours a week. And for my client here who was trying to replicate an income similar here in this ballpark, what she realized is her hourly rate as a very successful executive was $65 an hour. That is not a bad living at all. I'm not here saying that that's not enough money. That's not what this conversation is. But when she saw what her hourly income was at $65, and by the way, how many of us are working more than 40 hours a week? in that corporate career. I was a guy that was putting in 50 and then some of my peak stress points, 60 hours a week, especially when you consider the time working from home on your laptop. So that number continues to go down and go down. I mean, it might be $40 an hour, but she was mortified. And what she told me is that there are prostitutes, like low-end prostitutes, doing things in back alleys for a higher hourly rate than what she was making. But this is why I'm so bullish on entrepreneurship. Yes, within the current structure that she's in, you know, where the value that she's providing could very well be $300 worth of value an hour to the company, but they've got to pay for rent and they got to pay for electricity and they got to pay for all the other employees and all the expenses. And that's all coming out of her hourly rate. So what she realized is when I asked her, I was like, what do you think that you're worth in your business? What will your rate be? She goes, well, I'll charge my clients $200 an hour. All of a sudden, when we do that math, $200 an hour times 40 hours a week times 50 weeks a year, all of a sudden she's up close to $400,000 she could make by taking her skills and creating her own structure and system that allowed her to earn abundantly. The math is there. This is why I love working with other entrepreneurs and helping people bring their purpose to life. And I think that this is a conversation we're going to be having a lot more of in the age of artificial intelligence because there are so many jobs that are just going to get obliterated because AI can do it quicker and more cheaply. There's a lot of studies out there on this. It's already happening with some of the biggest corporations in the world. You know, Walmart has replaced warehouse foremen with drones that are flying over overhead and somehow keeping track of all the inventory. So we're starting to see all these jobs disappear. Trust me, in the age of the self-driving car, there's going to be tens of millions of commercial driving jobs that just evaporate quickly. And it's scary how quickly that this is all happening. I mean, think about all the Uber drivers making a living uh, driving around for Uber. And this was just a thing in the past five to seven years. But in another five to seven years, that might be extinct. GM just uh, put in a safety request 
with the government for a prototype for one of the first cars with no steering wheel and no pedals. So imagine what life is going to look like then. You've got to get clear. If you're a person who's been putting off going to work for yourself or pursuing that dream career that you want, you got to ask yourself, is my job at risk in the artificial intelligence world? And the great opportunities that are coming down the pike are for the jobs that require emotional intelligence, your creativity, your empathy, your problem solving. Those are the opportunities that are going to exist. So this is a great time to have a conversation now about how do I make money in a new way? You know, we talked about this also. If you go back and listen to my interview with Nick Tilia, he talks about this. As a teacher, he felt very limited. There was a ceiling for his earning capacity as a teacher, even if he had moved up to the principal level. He knew that there was a certain level of income he would make. And what he's done is replicated all of his skills as a teacher. He's applied it in a new way as a coach. And now... He's making six figures. This year, I'm sure he'll do even more than that. He's a brilliant guy. So create your own structure and system or place yourself in a different structure or system that allows you to earn at the value to which you want. And that brings us to the other point of today's podcast, which is this. Your current income is simply a reflection of the value that you're adding to the world. Now, I might get some hate mail on that. There's going to be some people that are going to take issue with that comment. But if you want to increase your income, what you really want to do is say, how can I increase my value? How can I take the problems in my life that I've figured out and solved and help other people do the same thing? One of the biggest issues I had in my life was how do I escape a corporate job that is sucking away my soul? Once I figured out how to do it, I created a path where I can teach that to other people. And now I can earn abundantly. It's crazy. I did the math here on my business in the month of January. And what I realized is that this month, I earned more than double my highest earning month in corporate America, simply by problem solving and helping other people break through. And you could do the same thing in your life. Now, maybe that's as a coach. Maybe it's not. But what do you know how to do? I've used the example before of going to an entrepreneur convention and seeing a woman who's making a multiple seven-figure business, creating online courses, teaching people how to train their pets. You know, a woman who loves gardening, which is hard to do in New York City when it's a concrete jungle. So she helps people take their terrace or their balcony and turn it into a little sustainable whole foods produce section. And people pay her handsomely for it. So what is the thing that you know how to do that could add value to the lives of other people? And what's interesting in this point is adding value is also going to tie back into what is your money story. Because even if you step out as an entrepreneur or to start your own business, you've got to know your real value of what you're providing for people. That was a big thing that held me back in the first year of my business is I was out there just taking on sessions for $45 an hour and it was very hard to make a sustainable income and to survive doing that. You know, for me, I had to really understand the the value of what I was bringing to the table for clients and then charge accordingly. And what's fascinating is the more I've increased my rates, which are significantly more than $45 an hour now, I also increased the quality of my client. You know, what I realized is the people when I was doing sessions for 40, 45 bucks an hour, they were kind of invested in their transformation, but not really. You know, they could go 
blow $45 at the bar. So it wasn't like they really had skin in the game. But as I increase my rates, I work with clients now who are serious. They know that they want to get the most bang for their buck and they're going to show up for themselves and commit to the process. So very important here. Yes, you want to add value, but that also requires you to know the real value of what you're worth and not undercut yourself. And the final point that I want to discuss today is another important one, is understanding that money, because it's an energetic exchange, means there's an ebb and flow. You have to put money out into the world, and that energy is returned to you. There is a giving and a receiving that happens in that ebb and flow. And some of you listening might be really good about giving, giving, giving to other people. Giving to your church, giving to your community, to charities you love. But you're not so great at receiving. You know, that was a big one for me early on. Is when people would come to me, I almost felt bad for charging them for money. So... I felt like I needed to offer a discount for them to see the value in what I was doing. I wasn't allowing myself to receive fully. And a great way for you to tell if you are a person who can receive money abundantly is how do you receive other things abundantly? Do you receive a compliment abundantly? You know, when somebody comes up and tells you you look great, do you like, oh God, I look like hell today. You know, (laughs) because if you can't graciously receive a compliment, you're never going to be able to receive the money that you want. Are you a person when somebody comes in from lunch in the office and buys you a free Starbucks tea or coffee that you're immediately going to your wallet and you think you need to pay them back to the penny and you insist that they take your $3.75? Well, if it's Starbucks, (laughs) $7.83. No, that's fine. Allow yourself to receive that gift. Now, you can give back to them and get them next time and buy them their overpriced beverage. And I say that, by the way, I love Starbucks. I mean, I totally overpay for unsweetened ice cream tea on the regular. But I I love the vibe. I am a Starbucks man. But there is an ebb and flow. And on the opposite end of not receiving is the hoarding mentality, is the fear of scarcity. If you believe that you grew up in a home where money wasn't always going to be there, that money doesn't grow on trees, what happens is you get into that hoarding mentality where you're scared to spend, which means you'll be scared to invest in yourself, which means you are cutting yourself off when you're not giving money. You're cutting yourself off from that ebb and flow to have it come back to you. So it was the biggest thing I did that limited my business in year one is I worked up with my own coach right to the point of launching my coaching business. And then I was terrified. I went into scarcity mode. I was nickel and diming every expense I didn't want to spend. But what was happening is I wasn't getting that expert mentorship from somebody who was ahead of me. And I cut myself off at the knees for the first nine months. You know, I had very little money coming in, but I was spending a lot on rent and I was still making my car pay payment and paying for insurance. And I watched that savings account get lower and lower. And one of the things that really changed for me is when I made a commitment, and this is in the days when I was like struggling. I mean, I might've been making two to three grand a month at that point at most. But one of the things that I forced myself to start doing was donating a portion of my money every month to a charity that I believed in. I started out, I did this a lot with Feeding America, and now I'm very involved with Charity Water, which is my new favorite charity. Uh, And I like to split that money up between the organizations. But I told myself, if I couldn't give $1 for every $100 that I made, 
how would I ever get to a point where I would use my money for good and write a $100,000 check when I make a million dollars? What's fascinating is from that spirit of putting money out there and giving and donating and investing in myself, all that money always came back to me in multiples. Every time I've ever invested in a mentorship or coaching program on my own for something to help me grow, within days, the money comes back to me. Sometimes two, three, fourfold. You know, I tell the story. One of the most terrifying things I ever did was invest in a year-long mentorship program with my mentor, Mastin Kip. And when I tell you I could have bought a really nice car for the investment, I'm not joking. But I made the entire investment back in 30 days. And now I'm making that entire investment, the yearly investment, I'm making that in a month. You know, it's what propelled me forward. But there is that exchange, the ebb and flow. You give and then you receive. And you have to make sure that you're good at both. If you're just giving and you're not receiving, you're being a martyr. If you're just receiving but you're not giving, eh, you're being a little stingy. So you really want to put yourself in that sweet spot in the middle. So those are the points for today that I really want to stress. What is money? At the end of the day, it's just energy. It is an energetic currency that we exchange when there's things of value in a transaction. Also, what is your money story that is holding you back? Did you grow up in a home where your parents judge people that had money? Did you grow up in a home where your family judged people that didn't have money? This will inform a lot of the decisions and a lot of the beliefs that you carry as an adult. Number three, how do you put yourself in a structure and system that allows you to earn at your true value? And it could be that you have to create that system yourself. This is why entrepreneurship is the scariest thing in the world, but can also be the most rewarding. Also, how do you add value to the lives of other people? What are the skills that you have? What are the problems you can solve that will add real value in the lives of other people? And then, of course, last, putting yourself in that ebb and flow, knowing that there's a giving and a receiving that has to happen and you want to be able to experience both. I know that this is a triggering topic, and trust me, over the past two and a half years of entrepreneurship, I have had to examine every belief that I've had about money and what is available to me. But what I've come to learn is that we live in an abundant universe. Just like you cannot go out and measure the cups of water that exist in the ocean, you could never count the grains of sand that are on the beach, there's also an unlimited supply of money in the world. It's just directly proportional to your value. If you want to make a million dollars, when you consider all the wealth that is in the world, it's literally like going out into the ocean and taking a bucket of water out of the ocean. So we really want to change our relationship, create an empowered relationship with money so we can create more empowered outcomes and use that money to create a bigger impact in the world. If you want to create more abundance in your career, in your finances, your health, your relationships, I have an awesome three-month coaching program that I'm currently accepting applications for. I'm only going to be working with a very limited number of massive action takers who are ready and committed to step up to the plate and make 2018 the best year of your life. And this is such a cool opportunity because it's a chance for you and I to work together and you'll have daily access to me each day for coaching support. There's going to be daily goal setting, daily implementation. And what I can promise you is, is if you commit to this program, if you show up for yourself and for your learning and for your growth, you will not recognize your life 
90 days later. I believe that transformation can be yours and it can be yours quickly. And I've got the best program out there to help you do that. It is also called Life Amplified. Duh. I'm currently accepting applications for that. You can go to my website, creativesoulcoaching.net. There's an application link at the very top. You can also click on a page and get all the details on what is involved in this program. It's going to be a game changer for you, and it would be my greatest honor and privilege to serve you. If you love the message that you're hearing today, by all means, please screenshot this. Share it on social media. You can tag me on Instagram or Twitter, at CSC Dan Mason. Uh, leave a review, leave a rating if you listen to us on Apple, or if you're listening on the iHeartRadio app, just give us a follow there. My goal is to inspire 10 million people to stop settling and up-level their life and create their own life amplified, so your help in spreading this message would mean the world to me. Don't forget, you can also join our private Facebook community for listeners of the podcast. I'm in there offering inspiration on an almost daily basis, and it's a great chance to meet like-minded people just like you from all around the world. You can check that out at facebook.com slash groups slash life amplified. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can get out there and live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.